0: Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. It is the day before Friday. Day before. Happy Thursday, everybody. Oh man, do we have a great show? We got a Hall of Famer coming on the show, Jim. Have we had a Hall of Famer on the show? You got me. I'm a
1: Madden no, Hall of Famer. No,
0: no, no, no. We we got an NFL Hall of Famer and a legit one, not somebody that had to whine and cry to get in the Hall of Fame. We got a legit NFL Hall of Famer, Warren Moon is gonna come join the show uh, at some point today and talk about Cam Newton. Can't wait to hear that take. And we'll probably squeeze in some uh, comments about the Seattle Seahawks. Warren is the radio broadcaster, I believe, for the Seahawks, or he has been. Uh, Anyway, Warren Moon's gonna be on the show. That's gonna be awesome. Uh, Steve Kim, you guys remember Steve Kim. I think we had him on last week. My Asian brother from a different mother. Uh, he's going to come back and, and come on the show, and we'll talk about Max Kellerman uh, leaving first take and Stephen A. Smith calling in a farewell. Hey, man, free Max Kellerman. Free Ma- Why are you whispering, Jim?
1: Free, because, man, I'm just saying, man, free Max Kellerman. Free
0: <laughs> well, Max he is free. He's yeah, free from first take and he'll be doing his own thing. We'll get Steve Kim's take on that and a few other things. Uh, Greg Couch, we're going to roll out to Chicago and talk with him about this fire. I'm about to start. Greg has tried to start a counterfire fire uh, with a column about uh, the same topic. You ready for this fire? Can I ask you a question
1: for yeah. you start? go ahead. Because I, I just have that. you. You've yeah. you, you been working out or something. What's going Because you're looking good. Are you working on your glutes?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man. I told you what I was doing ever since you got COVID. I'm, I'm, I'm eating less. You swearing off more. Swearing
1: yeah. off chickens. Yeah, no, I like that uh, Good Rancher's chicken, you know. I'm I'm actually complimenting you, man. You're looking good, whatever you're doing. You, you I'm eating better and I'm exercising. I'm eating less. You're starting to make your suits look better. (laughs)
0: Let me start this fire and make this show
1: better. Let's make it happen, Captain.
0: An experimental medical procedure is being forced upon some of the healthiest people on the planet, and America's corporate media are reluctant to talk honestly about the chaotic ramifications. COVID chaos is sweeping the sports world. COVID chaos's impact on sports dwarfs Colin Kaepernick's knee and Megan Rapinoe's self-aggrandizement. COVID chaos will likely define this NFL season. COVID chaos is the most underreported story in sports. Oh, sure. Corporate media reports the headlines. You'll hear about Jaguars coach Urban Meyer admitted the obvious vaccination status played a role in roster decisions. You'll hear about Patriots coach Bill Belichick claiming that Cam Newton's vac status played no role in the quarterback's departure. Baseball executive, I don't know if you heard this one, Jim, Bob Boone, used to be the manager of the Royals, refused to comply with the Washington Nationals vaccine mandate and resigned. Everybody heard about this yesterday. UFC broadcaster and popular podcaster, Joe Rogan. He contracted COVID and announced he'd taken ivermectin and other drugs to slay the virus. Then of course, unvaccinated Vikings quarterback, Kirk Cousins, he spent time in the protocol, the NFL protocol. Corporate media are feeding us a steady diet of headlines, news stories with little depth, and a consistent narrative that unvaxxed athletes and people are selfish, irresponsible Trump supporters. Like everything else in this country, COVID chaos is an outgrowth of our political polarization, corporate media's partnership with the Democratic Party, and the media's pervasive fear of being on the wrong side of big tech censorship. There's one approved opinion on COVID. That opinion is that Experimental vaccines are the only responsible way to combat the virus. You'll never convince me. Tom Brady believes that. No way. Never convince me of that. Remember back in early August when Brady blasted the NFL Players Association over social media? He claimed he was upset about the reduction in the salary cap. He stated, NFL players better wake up. And he added the NFLPA. NFL players are ignorant, he said in all caps. The salary cap dropped by 20% and the new media deals were announced after 2021 salary cap was set. The Most important football player of all time nuked the players union. The story came and went without a great deal of conversation. Brady's never been a professional athlete chasing every dime. I'm sure he cares about money, but he has much stronger passions than the pursuit of wealth. You know, Giselle's got enough money for both of them. For all for all of them, it, it would raise my passion. Maybe. <laughs> One of Brady's passions is health. He's a health nut. He's meticulous about what he puts into his body. In 2013, he started a performance and nutrition company, TB12. At the same time Brady ripped the NFLPA, veteran NFL players reached out to me complaining about the COVID protocols the NFLPA agreed to with the NFL. The players believe DeMarie Smith, the executive director of the union, agree to the protocols without properly informing members of the union. The players, even the ones who have taken a vaccine, are irate. They feel betrayed by their union and they feel voiceless. They say they've reached out to traditional NFL journalists and have been told their story and concerns are untouchable. Oh, You remember, you remember the media is a voice for the voiceless. Except when the nfl says no except when china says no ouch listen to this jim one player told me brady criticized the union over the salary cap as a way of complaining about the COVID protocols demarie smith shoved past the players i don't know brady's vaccination status i spent all this morning uh, trying to find it. I couldn't find a specific a specific story on the topic. That seems odd given his stature and reputation regarding health. No one is asking the Benjamin Button of professional sports about the vaccine. I find that interesting. Another player alleged he is aware of several NFL players who obtained fake vaccination cards during the off season and provided them as proof of vaccination to their teams. I'm not mentioning that to suggest that's what Brady did. I'm saying it because I could see how and why many NFL players would do just that. Young people naturally feel invincible. Consider the physical conditioning of a typical professional athlete and then ask yourself How many football, basketball, baseball, and hockey players believe they need to take an experimental vaccine for a virus that kills less than 1% of its victims? COVID chaos is the most divisive thing to ever hit professional sports. The people in least need of the vaccine are being forced to take it. Teams are operating separate dining rooms and separate rules for the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. If an NFL team is forced to forfeit a game and paychecks over positive tests, don't be surprised when the players rise up and overthrow DeMarie Smith, the worst union head in the history of professional sports. In the history. Let's hope it happens, Jim. This is what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have to forfeit a game and some paychecks. I think that would turn Tom Brady into a revolutionary, and he would overthrow DeMarie Smith, and the media would finally have to fully address COVID chaos. I think everybody's tiptoeing around this topic. No one wants to go at it fully and address it, the ramifications of it, how unfairly uh, the unvaxxed players are being treated. No one wants to be a voice for the voiceless. And it start, it, it's pissing me off, and that's why I'm going to keep beating this drum damn near every day that I can. So, you saying
1: that you, you hope Tom Brady goes out here and takes the knee? <laughs> Pretty much. That would be mm. awesome. So, I wonder if they're going to, you think they'll kick him out of the league like they did Colin
0: Kaepernick? No, they won't, and nor should they. <laughs> and Colin Kaepernick kicked himself out of the league. We're going to kick it over to Chicago. Greg Couch wrote a column today for the Blaze that you should read. He rightfully, in my opinion, says the uh, players should blame themselves and blame their union for these policies, that these COVID protocols that they don't like. Greg, uh, go, for, before we hear your side of the story, what do you think of my contention? I find it fascinating that Tom Brady, the biggest health nut perhaps in all the professional sports isn't being asked about these covid protocols i can't find out information one way or the other on his vaccination status i find all this fascinating
2: do you i do i think what you said is really big too to be honest with you because One thing, sometimes you bother me a little bit, uh, one thing you say that bothers me a little bit is you have such a cynicism when it comes to some of our institutions, but when you put it the way you're just putting it, I mean, we we do need more reporting, but even if we get more reporting, are we gonna believe the reporting we get? I mean, we don't really believe in journalists, we don't really believe in pharma, we don't really believe in the government, because the FDA's approved this thing now, you know, and I just, it is just hard to figure out how you'd get to to the bottom of this thing, but you're right, I mean, Tom Brady in particular, he everything you just said is right. He's so meticulous about what he puts in his body. Why isn't anyone even asking him that? I mean, I haven't even seen a question where they've asked him what's your status on 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 the vaccine. So I'd like to know, but I, I think that the, the media are actually just <laughs> protecting their interest of big pharma. They're protecting, you know, what they believe. Uh, it's hard to get to the truth. It's hard to know who's even trying to get to the truth. So yeah, I, I love what you said, yes.
0: Greg, you accused me of being cynical, which I don't take as a insult at all. I think most journalists are. And, and I, I think we've, journalists used to be, that used to be a badge of honor, kind of being a cynic. But now everything's framed as a conspiracy theory. If, yeah. if you have questions, and I think all the institutions that you listed, <laughs> big pharma, journalism, they, the government, they're worthy of cynicism. I mean, they've acted in a way, I, I, because again, when you don't ask basic questions, there's been no bigger story, I don't think, this summer and over the last 18 months than COVID, And it's in in the sports world, it's impact on the sports world. And we're not questioning Tom Brady. We're not, and I'm not talking about it in an adversarial way. I'm just talking, this guy is 44 years old. He's had the most fascinating career in the history of of professional football. He's a thoughtful person when he wants to be. We damn sure wanted to know, we were asked, did you vote for Trump? Are you a Trump supporter? But here's something COVID that's right up his alley, and we're not touching it. I, 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 if you had to bet, do you think Tom Brady's vaxxed or unvaxxed?
2: I would bet that he's unvaxxed actually, because he's gonna be one of those guys who wants to make sure he's 100% in control of what's going into his body. But I think you know, you're know you raising really good questions, particularly about the reporters too. I mean. There are a lot of football players, and, and I think more than half, and I think you think even more than that, who don't want the vaccine and, and are being pressured into it. I would like to just see a nice sit down discussion with a couple of them about why. I mean, we all we ever hear about is why they should take the vaccine and how it's dangerous for the rest of society if people don't have the vaccine. I just like to hear the other side of it. I mean, all we hear, it, it, we've portrayed these people who don't want the vaccine as evil or stupid or or just you know as you said just trump supporters it'd be nice to just hear some thinking people explain the other side of the story no one wants a debate anymore we just want to we've got our side that's all we want to hear and so the the left-wing side is all we're hearing right now because that's the side the media wants to tell
0: you say i can give you a reason why they're skeptical and and i i i would put it at 95% 95% of professional athletes want no parts of this vaccine. None, no, no parts whatsoever. Now, do I think 70% of them have taken the vaccine? Absolutely. Most people go along, get along, but, but the reasons why they don't wanna do it are they're young. Young people feel invincible. I used to be young, and I remember that feeling like nothing could happen to me. You get over 45 or over 50, you, you, wow, anything could happen. But they're young, <laughs> they're in the best shapes of, of of their lives, they're built like Greek gods, they get tested and they get go through physicals and all this stuff. They don't want to take this vaccine because they don't feel like they need it. And then, now they're talking about booster shots. The F, Two people, two high-ranking executives within the FDA just resigned over uh, the way this vaccine stuff is being rolled out and the protocols not being followed as it relates to the booster deal. Everything has been so politicized. I don't know how you trust anything in this world right now.
2: Yeah, that's it. I think it's more. I mean, because I've got two kids who are 20, 21 years old and they've wanted it and they got it. My daughter's a dancer. I mean, she's got to believe in her body and she's willing to take the vaccine. So I think you're right about young people feeling invincible. But I think it's the trust factor. And I actually just keep coming back to the thing about our institutions. I think the football players and other athletes just don't believe in the shot. And and I, I think most of the data show that you should, but you can actually find plenty of data that say you shouldn't you know they say figures can lie and liars can figure well i mean you can make the data look any way you want and since we don't trust any of our institutions you know it's just hard to to trust anything other than just what you already believe in yourself so i don't even know the nflpa was saying months ago well if the players want to get more information we're here for them we've got it we'll, we'll give it to them so the nflpa seemed to be upset with the players that they were representing for not taking advantage of the information that they had for them so um, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm gonna I don't put know how you to- on the spot you, you, I'm gonna put you on the spot you said
0: something interesting that I gotta follow up on you got a 20 year old daughter who wanted to take the shot you have a 21 year old son I think you just said who wanted to take the shot a- and you know what they could be tapping into the same energy I'm talking about in terms of feeling invincible I'm young what's the shot going to do to me I'll take it everybody's doing it but I can't imagine why a 20 a healthy 20 or 21 year old would want to take this shot want to take it huh why would you even think you need to take it? I I so as a dad of to you know explain, help me understand why and again I'm not trying to put them on the spot but you and you and Lisa didn't have some you know you guys are perfectly fine, and if you get COVID, nothing's going to happen to you, based on the data. I,
2: Greg, help me. You're a dad. Help me out. Well, okay. First of all, I need to correct. My daughter just turned 21, so she'll kill me that I didn't say she's she's 21. But um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> She's a singer and a dancer and she, she doesn't want to, she's worried about what's going to happen with her throat. She doesn't know, she's fear fearful of what the disease or the virus will do to her body more so than she is of the vaccine. Because I think she believes in, in pharma. She believes in the medical profession. That doesn't mean you believe everything they do. And I think healthy skepticism is good, but I think cynicism maybe goes overboard. I feel like if you don't believe in something, then, you know, you just don't believe in anything like that. It's... It's pretty risky. I mean, my son gives guitar lessons to kids in a private small room all the time and with no windows and no doors. I mean, he doesn't want to be getting sick from them. He doesn't want to make them sick. I, I don't know. I think they just look at it the same way that people who believe in the vaccine and who are afraid of the virus look at it, even though they're 21 and 22 years old. Greg, I don't want to put you on the spot, <laughs> but I, I do want to
0: be but clear. You're about here. to
1: be put on the spot. Yeah, I, I, I want
0: to be clear here. Uh, I do believe in something, and I I try to be quite clear on that. I believe in God, and Mm -hmm. I believe in the system that he put together to protect me. Now, have I done things to make the system malfunction? Absolutely. My gluttony, uh, my love of fast food, things like that. But I believe your kids don't have that issue. I believe, and again, not that their system is perfect, But, you know, God equips us with an immune system and and most again, the data seems overwhelming that young people's immune systems can handle the covid virus. I just see us. We keep tinkering and thinking we're smarter than the creator who built a system that could handle all of this stuff. Uh, But but. You know, we think who are the people in Wuhan? I guess are smarter than God and built built a disease and a virus that our system. And again, I know old people and people with comorbidities and and fat people like myself. Uh, we have reason to be concerned. I, I just for for young people in the NFL, for young people that like to sing, for you know you got you got. Uh, I didn't know you had Donnie Marie and Osmond or what? Who who was it? You got the Osmond. It wasn't Donnie and Marie, is that right? Is that who? I, do I got the names right? I didn't know you had produced that. Your daughter's a singer. Your your son's a guitar player and a rock and roller. Uh, you know, I didn't know you had the the, the Osmond twins going on over there, but I, weren't twins, Jason? L- let me let. Well, they're one and twenty one. They they close to being twins. Uh, I guess there was a time when Greg's wife used to let him have his way. Uh, I guess that that time passed twenty some odd years ago.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Greg. I'm sorry, Greg. I'm so sorry, man. You, you you just keep coming back every day, day after day for this. I'm so sorry.
2: Man. You know what? I, I want to say that years and years ago, I actually I had free tickets, so I'm not going to claim that I paid for it. But I actually went to a Donnie and Marie concert and uh, oh. it was unbelievable. And there were Donnie was running through the crowd and he actually fell down and fell down onto a woman who had to catch him and pick him back up. And. <laughs> It was a strange He didn't actually on.
1: fall down. That's the oldest trick in the book, Greg. <laughs> I did that myself a few times at the firelight. Go ahead, man.
2: <laughs> Face first. Blah. blah.
1: <laughs> I, you know, oh. next
0: tomorrow we may have to bring your daughter and son on so I can have a talk with them about how healthy they are and how they don't have anything to fear from COVID. Uh, I need to do you and Lisa's job, I think. <laughs>
2: Just don't tell my son to cut his hair, because it's, it's down. it makes my hair look like a crew cut. Well, he's, it, 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 it makes sense for your
0: son. He's a rock and roller. If he was a sports writer, I'd tell him the same thing I'm telling you. Get a haircut. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. We got to roll. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Before we go, I want to hear you blame the Players Union and, and blame the players. Talk about your column you wrote today.
2: Well, I just think it was funny that the Players Union is looking when Urban Myers says that, yeah, we considered the vaccine status when we're making our cuts. The Players Union, you know, throws its hands up in the air and says, oh, then we're going to start an investigation. I mean, they're the they're the reason they're the criminals in this. The Players Union is is the reason why all of the coaches are considering the vaccine status when they're making their cuts. The Players Union agreed to the NFL's. COVID policies, they agreed to the protocols that they wanted and those protocols made it if you were vaccinated, you have much less opportunity, much less stringent penalties and and a better chance that you're not going to miss a lot of games or a lot of practices, a lot of time. If you haven't been vaccinated, you're going to miss a lot more time. So that just lays a different relative value to the different players. I mean... You know, so the you know when you're a football coach and you're thinking, well, geez, I'm not I'm going to let my star player play no matter how many times he's potentially risking himself with getting COVID or not. But the backups, you know, that's too big of a risk. I just want to get the players who I know are going to be there, the players who can play all the time and aren't likely to have to sit out for 10 days if they do the exact same thing that a vaccinated player did, who only has to sit out for a couple of days. So. They, you know, the players union agreed to this, you know, I've been in unions before, the unions are supposed to represent me, they're not supposed to represent the boss, you know, and so it looks to me like the players union just stuck with the NFL's plan and said, okay, well, we'll just force this down the throat of the people we're supposedly representing. And as you and I are both saying, the players didn't want that. So I don't get what the players union even thinks it's doing. I mean, what are they after with this? They created the problem. And And now they're you know starting an investigation to find who the criminal is in this. It's them. And Greg, I can tell you confidently that's
0: exactly what NFL players believe. They're not upset with the NFL. They're upset with their union. Their yeah. union's job is to fight for them. And uh, Demarie Smith and the union rolled over. and and the players are suffering the consequences. Just like I I said it yesterday, I don't think Bill Belichick likes this. I damn sure feel very confident Tom Brady doesn't like this. We know uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Cole Beasley, Lamar Jackson. It's across the board. There's a handful of players with the balls to stand up and and Kirk Cousins and and, and go through uh, the difficulty of being unvaccinated. But I guarantee you there's a bunch of players that totally agree with them and support them. Most of them just rolled over because they want that money.
2: Well, the Lamar Jacksons of the world, I mean, and, and really the Tom Brady's of the world, they should feel safe in it. They should be able to stand up and say something because they're not going to lose their jobs. It's all those other guys who are who are trying to get second string or trying to just make a roster. Those are the ones who the union really needs to stand up for the most because they're the ones who need the most protection and the most help. So they're sort of at the mercy of the, of the players union, but they're also at the mercy of these star players. So, I, I mean, you know, I'm upset that the media has not been asking Tom Brady, but maybe Tom Brady needs to step up and say something too, because if he's not saying anything, that's actually hurting the lower level players. I agree with you, but the risk for
0: Brady and for uh, Lamar Jackson is the social media backlash and being vilified. And, and and I don't blame people for not wanting to be vilified. I, I really don't, because a lot of people, this show is called Fearless because I have put myself in position to be fearless. It's not because I'm more courageous than other people. I've put myself in position, you know, not all intentionally and not all in a healthy way, but I'll, I'll refer to the Bible uh, again, and t- talk about Paul. You know there was a reason why Paul never married, and you know sometimes di- I, I kind of rationalize with myself about some decisions I made in my personal life, and t- tell maybe I'm Paul, and you know I made some sacrifice because if I had a wife and kids, I, I, I would I would operate completely differently. I wouldn't want to put my wife and kids through the kind of. Uh, vitriol that spewed at me that would then be turned on them, uh, and so I, I get it. You know, Brady just wants to. And again, I, I tend to agree with you. I do think he should stand up, but I get why he doesn't. You know, mm-hmm. the guy just wants to go home, lay around with Giselle, make babies, and you know, have a good time. Lamar Jackson just you know wants to play football and 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 have a nice you know have off-field endorsements and things like that. What? What are you looking to be like that for? You got a problem with laying up
1: and making babies? No, you I With a gazelle? I, I don't. I'm saying I get it. You, you can tell. Now you know why he don't have no kids, Greg. <laughs> you know why. He, he don't know the fun that comes along with creating them.
0: Well, Jim,
1: actually,
2: <laughs> oh, I'm
0: going to be here. Jim, just because you can't spell condom don't mean I can I can't.
1: I can't spell c o n d e m. Condemn. All
0: right. Thank you, Greg. Thank uh, you. Let me tell you about my friends at Built Bar. These bars have definitely helped me in my daily routine. I mean, look at look at me. I'm mean, here. Can you look any better than this? At what do I weigh? Like 202 pounds? I think I weigh today. get give, give,
1: give or take that extra 198? That extra yeah. three you was talking. Yeah. About.
0: <laughs> How can you look? And built Bar has helped me. They are low in calories, carbs, and sugars. I eat one virtually before every show. It gives me the energy that I need. That's the truth. That is the truth. (laughs) You've heard me talk about their great flavors here. They have over a dozen to pick from. Rocky Road, Salted Caramel are some of my favorites. But I'm really looking forward to trying their new flavor, peanut butter brownie very soon. All these great flavors are waiting for you. You can go online and order a mixed box that gives you a wide variety of different flavors, or you can get a box of your favorite one. Go to built.com and use the promo code FEARLESS to save 15% off your first order. Use promo code FEARLESS for 15% off at built.com. Steve Kim. next. Welcome back. Time to roll out to Los Angeles. And,
1: uh, Jim, have have you met Steve Kim? You were out last week. I I was out, but I definitely watched the show and saw him. Yeah. Man, you'd be surprised at the people that's out here trying to get your job. I think he wants your job, too.
0: Yeah, my Asian brother from another mother. uh, He brought that heat. Yeah, he did. (laughs) Former uh, ESPN boxing writer, now does a podcast with uh, the actor Mario Lopez. Did you know that? No, I didn't. That was a podcast with Mario Lopez. You know, Mario Lopez is like 67 years old, too. No, he's not. Yes, he is, man. He's a lot older than what you think he is. Nah, I don't. We'll, we'll, we'll ask Steve. Steve, uh, welcome to the show. Clear this up. How old is Mario Lopez? Like 45? No, man. That dude is
1: at least 50.
3: Well, first of all, great to have Uncle Jimmy back. I mean, Jay, you're the Jordan, but you needed your Pippin, and hopefully for the next 20 minutes I could be your Horace Grant. Uh, Mario is right around 45 <laughs> to 50 But he he ages like I call him Mexican Dick Clark because he's Benjamin (laughs) Button. He actually is the youngest looking 40 something year old I've ever seen. I think in three years he's going to go back to looking like A.C. Slater without the jerry curl.
1: Glad he added Clark,
0: (laughs) the Mexican Dick Clark. I wasn't prepared for that, with Steve. Uh, All right, so Steve, you know, he's an expert on boxing, right? Right. Which Max Kellerman is an expert on boxing, but what Steve thinks he's an expert on boxing, but what really Steve really is. Is one of the most is one of the best critics of ESPN going? That's where me and Steve kind of bonded. We, we we DM, text each other, talk on the phone. Anytime ESPN's done something stupid, Steve's my go-to guy. And uh, this week, Steve or yesterday, I think, was Max Kellerman's last day on First Take, and uh, Stephen A. Smith uh, called in. Uh, to the show, he didn't appear on the show, but he called in uh, to wish Max Bon Voyage. Max is going to be doing some other things for ESPN, and I just I, I wanted your take on Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith and the the five-year deal. Did it work? Were they a success?
3: If you go by the ratings, yes. And for Stephen A. Smith, given the fact that his Career arc is still going to be very strong because he has a protector, as we talked about last time. Jason, absolutely. But I, I saw clips of that last call and it reminded me of what's going to be coming up on Hard Knocks, which is one of my favorite shows on HBO. It, 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 it's like the players walking around the training camp facility and an intern says, hey, buddy, uh, can you bring your playbook? Coach wants to see you. And then you know the coach <laughs> says, hey, we think you have a great future. You got to work on this. We really love you. But you're cut. It was really a nice way. It's funny. It goes to show you, even after you might stab someone in the back, on the way out, you pat him on the back and you kick him out the door. That, that's really what it was. It's it's a move that I believe was made for optics. Now, we have to make this clear. Max Kellerman's is going to be OK. We're not going to have to send him a, gun, a GoFundMe account or anything of that nature. He's going to be very high profile. But it goes to show you that perception is not always reality. I don't watch that show. I just can't. But it's obvious to me, based on what I've read and what you've told me, Jason, and what's been discussed, that while Max may have been pretty good in certain areas, he simply was not Skip Bayless.
0: Mm. And you know what? Saying he was not Skip Bayless, I think there's a lot of people would say, well, that's a compliment. <laughs> and and I, think, I don't think they were looking for Skip Bayless when they decided to go with Max. But but here and, and I know Max well and I, I would consider Max a friend in the industry and and I like Max to be honest with you personally I like Max a lot of the stuff he talks about uh, on TV I find irresponsible uh, the the race baiting and whatnot but personally I like Max I think he's a good person but but I think I, I was told. Years ago, when when I worked at ESPN, or maybe it was when I wasn't, I I just can't remember, but there was a thought of, hey, man, pairing Whitlock and uh, Max Kellerman would be a good idea. (laughs) And this was, you know, Eric Rideholm that created PTI or launched PTI and uh, around the horn and and I think was involved because Kellerman started out hosting around the horn. And, and I can't remember who it was that told me like, nah, man, cause Max is gonna sit on air and try to out black you. And he's going <laughs> to try to make people think you're a sellout. And he goes, it won't be intentional, but that's just Max. He's going because I don't know if you know this, Steve, but as a young person, Max and his brother were rappers.
3: I do and know I that. Mean, like
0: legitimate, yes. good rappers. Yeah. And Max is uh, what? What's it? Eight Mile. What was uh, Eminem's character yeah. from Eight Mile? Uh, Rabbit. Come on, who?
3: Wasn't that Rabbit? Rabbit wasn't? Yeah.
0: No, wasn't that? Yeah, wasn't that? <laughs> what, yeah, wasn't that uh, yeah, and so. They basically, and, and then whoever Rabbit's nemesis was, they they were basically saying, that's what would happen to me. <laughs> that that Max would, you know, Papa Doc, or what was his name? Papa Doc. Pa- Papa Doc. Papa Doc. Yeah. That, that he'd be like, Jason comes from I a did good family. No, Jason comes from a good family. or You know that all. Anyway, that's, I think, ended up being the disconnect between he and Stephen A. Smith, is that... Stephen A. Smith got tired, and if you remember, Terrell Owens came on the show once and said that Max Kellerman's blacker than you, Stephen A. Smith. And, and to me, that was what was dangerous about the combination between Max and Stephen A. I don't think it put Stephen A. in the proper light.
3: Yeah, I don't disagree with you. By the way, you and Max would have been fascinating. That I just could see it now. Ebony and Ivory with Max and Whitlock. That would have been must-see TV. I would have actually <laughs> wow. tuned in for that one. Here's, here's the problem that I have with Max, and I get along with Max, too. I've known him for about 20 years, starting with his days at ESPN, where he was the studio co-host with Brian Kenny on Friday Night Fights. There are too many things that he says where I, where I think to myself, does he really mean this because he's an intelligent individual? But is he just trying to get invited to the cookout or to the barbecue? And I couldn't agree with you more. A lot of the things that he says, I believe, are based either in white guilt or black acceptance. And there's really no basis for a lot of the things that he says if you go break it down factually, like the column that you just wrote on the San Francisco 49ers quarterback situation. And, look, I think Stephen A. Smith has a – he has a conscience. I think we all do that. If we hear something too much at a certain point in time, every day of the week, five days a week, and you know, it's not true and it goes against your greater sensibilities. It starts to irritate you. It starts to grate on you. And if you have the leverage, uh, you want to send that guy out the door. And that's exactly what happened.
0: Mm. And you referenced, I, I wrote a column this week about trade Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo and, and that, I'm kind of looking forward to this experiment the San Francisco 49ers are going It's that they may try to play both quarterbacks throughout the entire season and do it far more than the Saints did it with uh, Taysom Hill and and Drew Brees. They're really talking about doing the two-quarterback experiment, and, and Max Kellerman talking about it the, either early this week or late last week. He immediately injected race into the deal by making some chess analogy and the white pieces always go first in chess and puts the black pieces at a disadvantage. And it it made me go like, oh, man, this experiment won't even get off the ground because Max and the wokesters over at ESPN will instantly turn it into a racial thing. When Shanahan could care less about that dynamic and and the guys on that team, that's a a Super Bowl quality team that's trying to figure out a way how can we max out our quarterback situation and compete for a Super Bowl.
3: A couple things. Uh, As I read your column on Kellerman's quotes as he transcribed them, I read them in the voice of Oswald Bates. And I'm sure you watched in Living Color back in the day, Jimmy uh, and Jason. Do you remember that character Damon Waynes played, the jailhouse Muslim with the kufi? They would try to talk all fancy and would butcher. <laughs> yes,
1: That's I do. Of- I remember yeah. seeing that brother yeah. several times <laughs> yeah. as he came up to specifically <laughs> assimilate how he felt.
3: Right. <laughs> and, and I said to myself, Max has gone Oswald Bates. But but first of all, historically, this has been done before. Tom Landry did this in the early 70s before Roger Staubach really became a superstar with Craig Morton. And in fact, I think they actually traded places every play. It was like a tag team situation. So this is not unheard of. It's been done before. It worked out miserably. They lost the game in Chicago, and Roger Staubach told Tom Landry, look, if you're going to do this to my career, I need to be traded. And the next week, I believe Landry was forced to make the decision, I'm going to go with Staubach. Uh, I still remember a, a classic college football game. Steve Spurrier rotated quarterbacks against a great Florida State team. I think it was Noah, Brindise and Doug Johnson. Uh, early in uh, C- Randall Cunningham's career, Buddy Ryan used to use him as the third down and long quarterback because of his mobility, because the Eagles offensive line was really, really bad. And then remember Cordell Stewart and Slash. So this is not some revolutionary thing. It's not unusual or usual. It's not the norm, but it has been done before. And in defense of Kyle Shanahan, I really think when he has the right pieces and his team is relatively healthy and they could set up the run, which is foremost in his system... He's one of the most creative play designers and creative play callers I've ever seen. It can absolutely work. And another variable that we're not talking about with Trey Lance in terms of his readiness for the national football league, let's go back. He played one showcase game last year in college and then they shut the thing down. I thought that was very strange. He had one exhibition game, so he didn't play. So I I don't understand. Like maybe this is a kid that really needs to have his toe dipped into the pool before you throw him out there into the middle of the Pacific ocean. Jimmy, you got
0: any more uh, impersonations? <laughs> <laughs> you just you just
1: scratched the surface. So. Yeah. well, I don't know. I, I guess at that time, if I'ma do it, I'ma kill my landlord. C I L L my now, landlord. Wait. Now wait, a minute. that was I'm Eddie Murphy. I'm gonna kill Stephen A. Smith.
3: Yeah, that was that was a, uh Eddie Murphy character. Yeah, that was night Eddie Live. Murphy. That's exactly. yeah, that was Eddie Murphy. Now, so next time Kill I come my, on. That I, was on Saturday Night, night Live. Live. Kill, yeah, my right. yeah. night. Yeah. Kill my
0: landlord in the middle of the night. <laughs> Kill my landlord. Simply because he's white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: So, so that's him. Yeah. yeah. So here's what I want to do next. Time. I'm going to reference men on films next time because I want to see Jimmy's impersonation of Tuan. So we're going to save that for the next time I'm on here.
0: <laughs> he did some Jimmy in Denver yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: hey, yeah, yeah. seemed <laughs> it. <laughs> Seem to just leave a bad taste in my mouth, if you know what I mean. Uh-oh. Uh
3: oh.
0: <laughs> that gets three snaps, though.
3: Yeah. <laughs> three slurps and
1: a burp. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Oh, Say it. Don't spray it, Jason. <laughs>
0: <laughs> HBO has a series they're doing in conjunction with Vox and they're going to uh, talk about all the, the racial implications and I, I, I know. It, it's going to be one of these woke four, four or five part series that traces everything to race. I, Steve you sent me an email about it <laughs> uh, are you looking forward to HBO's Uh, oh, I think we have, uh, we have a trailer. Do we have, yeah, let's play the trailer and then, and then we'll talk about it.
1: All these messy
4: issues have always been present in sports. I don't consider
2: myself an activist,
4: but the world was kind of falling apart.
1: It's not really about playing basketball. It's about war against drug abuse.
4: Immigration policy does not reward our hardest workers.
0: A lot of this heaps into legacies of racism in our country. There's something wrong with that. Mm. mm. looks like that's going to lean very heavy into the feminine. I saw Jamel Hill. I saw Jamel Hill, so I'm definitely in. I'm, I'm <laughs> in. I'm signing up right now. Corey Booker's in it. Uh, you know. Anyway, are you looking forward to this, Steve?
3: Uh, I'd rather look forward to waterboarding uh, and, and me having it done to me. I'm not watching it. I mean, here's, here's the thing about HBO, and I am still a subscriber, even though they left boxing about three years ago. And I still enjoy a lot of the programming, like Succession. I think that's a show that you enjoy, Jason. It's high-quality stuff. I saw a recent documentary on the pharmaceutical industry, a two-parter I thought was very good. And there are other aspects that I like, but HBO sports about... Two, three years ago, really went over the top. And I think I've told you this, Jason. I was an avid viewer of HBO Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel for about 15 to 20 years. I never missed an episode. Uh, right around, I'd say, 14, 15 months ago, when the pandemic and the lockdowns began, they took such a political blent And almost every story was focused on making COVID, I think, very political and just forcing leagues almost or shaming them into shutting down. I said, I can't do it anymore. I, I just can't. And I read the press release for this Vox series. It actually had some line, and I'm not going verbatim. It said how how all of the athletes are underpaid and their voices are suppressed. I I could not believe that that was actually written, given the fact that many leagues create multi-multi-millionaires. And the athletes, more than ever, are actually given a platform to speak, which I don't think is a good or bad thing. Again, you could have a a full-length discussion on that. But the framing of that is as if somehow these guys are either Tommy Smith, John Carlos, or Kurt Flood, or even Muhammad Ali. I I just don't see it that way anymore. I think the athletes today are making more money than ever. They have a bigger voice if they want to. And I, I, I just cannot do it anymore. HBO Sports is something that I think has gone far off the edge. But I will say this, though, Jason. You have me tempted to almost give Bill Maher another shot because that was another program that I watched for years just to get a different viewpoint. And I think Maher an, an extremely intelligent guy. Whether you agree with him or not, I don't even think it's the question. But you have me intrigued back on Bill Maher. Bill Maher
0: is doing an excellent job. I've always liked him, uh, even when I've disagreed with him and thought he was crazy. I do think he's funny and smart. Uh, you know, the thing about real sports, there was a time – uh, I can remember HBO did some special that I was on with Brian Gumbel as the host, and Brian Gumbel and I were relatively friendly and cordial with each other. A- and then the show pivoted, <clears throat> and, you know, I-, I can't say, no animosity, but Brian Gumble basically, you know, quit communicating with me. And then Bernard <laughs> Gerberg, uh, Bernard yeah. Goldberg, who was on the show, actually wrote a piece recently about how he got shot down every time he kept saying, "Hey, we'd like to do. A, I want to do a story on Jason Woodlock. He's <laughs> the most fascinating sports writer in the country," and they kept shutting him down and saying, "No." He blamed it on Brian Gumble. I'm not so sure. I think the overlords at HBO don't like me, and you know, there's a lot of Silicon Valley money running around HBO, and so that's why I'm persona non grata. Steve, you live in uh, Gavin Newsom state. And he's being recalled. uh, potentially. I can't figure out if there's a real chance he'll get recalled and Larry Elder or someone like that will take over as governor. Or if the media is just hyping this up because they need something to talk about. What's your take on uh, Gavin Newsom?
3: Well, I think he's done an awful job and you are an example of that. I know you have some professional reasons, but I believe last year for the and beyond that, for the previous nine and a half, ten 10 years, Jay, you were in Los Angeles and you made the move to Nashville, which seems to be a destination for a lot of people for various reasons. Uh, I think a lot of what you said is true. Both things can be true. Is the media hyping it up? Yes. Do I believe Larry Elder has a shot? Yes. And I'll tell you why. And, and I'm not a political analyst. But just looking at what I see on TV, the local ads out here, well, I don't think are national, but they're very local to L.A., I'm seeing these commercials where these out-of-state politicians, uh, like that Indian, uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, are t- giving us these messages Pocahontas. about— yeah, Pocahontas. God. Yeah, or if you mean Foca-Hontas. Okay, oh. but anyway. Uh, oh. Oh, 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 his Chief, not an engine. But anyway, so I'm, I'm seeing these commercials. <laughs> I'm seeing these commercials about don't let the Republicans steal this election and that it's immoral. And they're almost making it sound like what's happening is an episode of Scandal with Olivia Pope. I was, that's another show that I loved at one point. And There's something very factually dishonest about what they're doing, about what they're saying, Oh, trying to steal the election. In this particular recall, because I know this for a fact, that to sign up and say, we want Gavin out of here. You had to actually physically go to one of those stations and put your name on the dotted line. And then they verified your information. This was not done by a computer. This was not done mail in. So just the framing of that and the L.A. Times seems to me and I don't read the L.A. Times at this moment, but I've seen stuff on Twitter. They seem to be running a daily, if not regular hit piece on Larry Elder, who was not on their radar for about 20, 25 years, despite being a radio staple in our city. So that whole thing leaves me once again, very, very cynical about the uh, legacy mainstream media.
0: Well, it also, I think the point you were making also is like, they wouldn't be doing the attack unless they thought he had a chance to win. If he was no factor, they'd leave him alone.
3: No, absolutely. He's a threat because, you know, I used to hate Larry Elder as a kid. I really did. I, I, here I thought this guy, what's he talking about? As obviously uh, my beliefs has evolved and you get a little bit older, your viewpoints change. I find Larry Elder to be a very, very refreshing personality. He's very bright. Uh, incredibly personable. And what's interesting is that if you see him on social media, he's not just taking pictures or getting support from your constituents that people believe is a stereotypical Republican or someone who's very, very conservative. There's a lot of minorities out there. They may not say it publicly. They are supporting Larry Elder and they're hoping for a new direction within our state. Final
0: question. Candace Owens tweeted out that uh she was denied a covid mm. test uh in Colorado mm. I believe mm. and she was given they wrote her an email telling her because of her politics basically they didn't feel like she deserved a covid test she's unvaccinated and she's spread misinformation about covid according I read this and saw this and was like my mind was blown and I'm like I hope whoever this woman is they treat her the same or worse than the cake baker who was trashed and fined and ridiculed because they didn't want to make a cake for a transgender wedding Uh, your thoughts on Candace Owens and and the unvaxxed being pariahs in this society.
3: Yeah, I had a couple of thoughts on this. Uh, And for the record, I am not anti-vax, but I am vax hesitant. And as someone who had COVID back uh, about six, seven months ago, I still want to have that choice left up to me. Um, Here's my view on it. For people that say that if you're anti-vax or have not gotten vaccinated, you don't deserve treatment. Okay, if that's the standard you want to set, then if you are a lung doctor, do you not treat anyone? With emphysema, that smoked for 50 years, or do you treat? If you're a general physician, do you not? Do you turn away patients who have not exercised and are severely overweight or morbidly obese? That's a very dangerous standard that we are setting. And also, um, from this person's standpoint, that kept away Candace Owens. Wouldn't you want to test everyone that isn't vaccinated to make sure that they are not a positive and b out in the public so they could spread it? So that, that's a very, very mixed message. And let me just point this out, Jason. As someone who has not gotten vaccinated, I still play by the rules. Any place where I have to wear a mask, I still do. I realize it's a threat. Uh, I got over it relatively easy. I was very lucky. I realized that. But the other, the other issue is that if, if you're not going to get vaxxed the way I have, I understand that I have a responsibility to the ramifications of my decisions. There have been numerous fight cards this year that I decided I'm not going to go to because, A, I didn't want to wear a mask in an airplane for several hours. And once you got to those event grounds at the Fight Hotel and the Fight uh, Venue, you had to be quarantined, you had to take a test, and you basically could not live free. You had to be in this bubble area. And a lot of guys that covered the events, our friends of mine said, Steve, it was a miserable experience, but they lived with it. And personally, I've been tested, I think, at least 30 times now within the last year because there are certain job assignments where they say, Steve, if you're going to work this particular assignment, you have to come into the bubble for 24 hours and get tested or just get tested same day, sometimes out of your own pocket. So I live with those decisions, but I don't think anyone has the right to say you have to take the vaccine. I mean, yesterday's discussion with Mark Schloreth, I thought was really interesting. I was surprised that a player was so strong in his stance that, yes, everyone should be vaccinated. That, that surprised me a lot, Jason.
0: Steve, I, I want to tell you, Cher, uh, you know, Uncle Jimmy's made some sacrifices, too, because he's unvaxxed. Jim, I, I don't, you haven't been to a massage parlor the past <laughs> 16, 17 months.
1: Not at all. Not at all. I'm trying to maintain social distancing, and that's what I'm (laughs) planning on trying to do. That's good to hear.
0: Thank you, Steve. We got to run. Warren Moon's coming on the show. We got to bounce. All right, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Warren Moon. Next! Welcome back. Time now to roll out to a Hall of Famer, Mm -hmm, Jim. Warren Moon, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Uh, Hall of Fame member, I think first ballot Hall of Fame member, nine-time Pro Bowler. Former Kansas City Chief. Former Kansas City Chief. Played damn near as long as uh, Tom Brady. TB12
1: before TB12 was fashionable.
0: Warren Moon joins the program. Warren, thank you so much. Uh, we're honored to have you. Uh, if, if my memory serves me correctly, you mentored Cam Newton as he entered the league. And I was just what, what's the nature of you all's relationship today? Are you still in contact with him? And I, I guess what are your thoughts about the Patriots releasing him?
4: Yeah, I did uh, get in touch with uh, with Cam. I met him back when he was in high school. Believe it his dad brought him to a football camp of mine. Um, me, James Harris, and also Doug Williams and Marlon Briscoe. We had a football camp at Disney World many years ago, and uh, his dad brought Cam to the to the camp, and we got a chance to meet then, and we talked about what it was going to take for him to be successful going forward. And uh, he was a Big, strong guy, bigger than all the kids his age. He was about 14 or 15 at the time. Just a real raw athlete, but we knew at some point he was going to, you know, be a dominating player. And he did become one in high school as well as in college. And we all know the story. He went to junior college, came back to Auburn, went to the Heisman Trophy, number one overall draft. So they, they called me again right before he was going to get drafted to try and help him with his uh, pre-draft workouts to get ready for the NFL type of game. You know, he had never really dropped back his footwork. He'd never taken the ball under center or any of those things in college. So we worked on all those things, and um, he became the number one overall pick in the draft. We were pretty close for about his first two or three years, and then, you know, as things happen with when I mean, you get your entourage around you and family and everybody, um, you know, our communication kind of kind of dwindled from there on. But you know, I would keep in touch with him through text and just give him. You know, positive words and encouragement whenever I thought he needed it, based off of how he was playing. So that, that's kind of what our relationship is now. Um, i went to a couple of his fundraising uh, uh, projects that he's had over the years, and he's done the same with mine. But we don't keep him in contact as much as we used to in those first maybe four or five years of this. Warren,
0: he he was released by. The Patriots. Some people blame COVID. Others blame the performance from last year and and his last performance in the preseason. If you had to guess, do you think he was released more so because of his unvax status and maybe violating COVID protocols, or because Bill Belichick concluded his 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 talents and performance just didn't match up and and what do you think? Was it his performance or was it COVID?
4: I think it was a little bit of all of it. I think that made it easier for him to do it. And then you add a third element to it, uh, the fact that Mac Jones was playing at a, at a level where they thought they could win with him as a rookie. And you knew at some point as a first-round draft pick that they are going to want to play Mac Jones, whether it was sometime this year or maybe next year. But you knew at some point he was going to you know, have to play And uh, I guess his improvement was much more than what they thought. You know, Cam didn't really put a lot of distance between the two as far as his play in the preseason. And then the fact that he did get COVID for the second time, he had it last year as well. And we saw what it kind of did to his play, his performance, kind of went downhill after uh, he had had COVID last year. And then this year, uh, not being vaccinated and then... Being exposed to it again, I'm sure that didn't help the situation to go along with Mac Jones playing well. It made him expendable. So, I think it was a combination of all those things as to why they, uh, they made that decision to go down the road with Mac Jones and, and put uh, Cam out there for, uh, for waivers.
0: Warren, what do you think about all the pressure on NFL players to get the vaccine? I I think it's unfair. I I think these guys are young. They're really healthy. They're in great physical shape. I kind of understand why they are reluctant to get the vaccine. I think the vaccine is for people like myself, middle-aged, overweight. Uh, You know, if I'm in my 20s and in the best shape of my life, I don't want to get the vaccine.
4: Well, I think it's... it's, um more about responsibility, especially at that position. And again, I think if Cam was playing at, a, at another level, uh, I don't think it would be as big a deal as it was in this particular situation. But you can look at Kirk Cousins right now. He's not vaccinated, and he's had he's been exposed to it this year. But because they feel like he's playing at a level where he's not expendable, they're not going to release him. You look at Lamar Jackson, who got COVID last year and also got it again this year. Because he plays at an MVP level, they're not going to make as big a deal about it, even though they would love to have him vaccinated uh, so they don't have to end up dealing with this problem once the regular season starts. I think a lot of it has to do with how uh, how valuable you are to the football team at that particular time. And I'm sure they would like to have every player vaccinated only because if something happens with a player and he, he exposes a bunch of other guys and now you have 15 of your players that can't play that particular week, you're probably going to have to forfeit a game or whatever. Now, you, if you forfeit, you lose that game, and then all those players lose salary. So there's a big commitment that goes along with it, um, and and I think that's that's where the big uh, question comes in whether you should do it or not, especially at the quarterback position because that's a position of leadership, and you don't want to have one of those guys miss a game because you have to go to your backup. And pretty much, you're going to lose that football game.
0: One, I made the argument yesterday, or maybe the day before, and, and I just I heard you at the beginning talking about Cam meeting him in high school and all of this raw talent, and and I say and I argue because I grew up with Jeff George, one of the most talented individuals in any sport that I, I've ever seen, and certainly a gift for uh, throwing the football and the football. I think you can have too much talent at the quarterback position and it can undermine your willingness or, or even the necessity of working on the fundamentals and some of the, all the other intangible things that go along with being a great quarterback. And, and so I saw Jeff George not reach his full potential in the NFL, and I think it was because he had too much talent. I think the same thing applies to Cam Newton.
4: Well, there's no question. Cam is one of the best athletes to ever play that position. But uh, when it comes to throwing the football, you definitely have to have mechanics. You definitely have to have fundamentals and the things that go along with making you a successful passer. Cam has never been you know, a great passer. He's been a really good passer, but he's never been a, uh, a over-accurate guy. Uh, he's always relied on his legs a lot throughout his career. And... Uh, the fact that he was a dual-threat quarterback, you know, just made him probably not have to work on those things as much, even though I thought he worked on them a lot. I know when I worked with him, I, I never worked been around a guy that worked harder than he did. He was kind of a perfectionist, never wanted to end a workout without having, you know, a stretch of good balls thrown, uh, always wanting to do the right thing. And from what I understand, he still has a good work ethic. But some guys just, you know, aren't very good passers or are accurate passers. And as he's gotten older... And even though he's only 32, his body's probably more like 37 or 38 from all the punishment that he's taken, especially in his shoulder, uh, having a shoulder injury at one time. I think it's really affected him. He just does not seem to throw the football as fluidly as he used to earlier in his career. And I think a lot of it has to do with all the pounding that he's taken over the years. So I think that has something to do with it as well as what your theory was. Being a great athlete sometimes doesn't make you um, want to work. As hard as, as some of the other guys who aren't as gifted, but I don't think that's I don't think that's his case. I think Cam is a very hard worker. It just doesn't come naturally to him for some reason, or maybe he's had the wrong quarterback coaches over the years. I, I, I'm I'm going to
0: move it away from working hard because I agree with you. I think Cam works very hard. I thought Jeff George uh, in the NFL, particularly after he left Indianapolis, worked very hard. I think that adversity, and, and and you certainly went through some early in your career after leaving college. Tom Brady being drafted at the end of the draft. and not, I think it gives you an attention to detail and focus that a lot of talented guys just haven't had to have that because Cam could solve his problems with his feet. There was Warren Moon, Tom Brady, They have to solve their problems with a quicker release, hanging in the pocket a little bit longer, giving that receiver time to get open. And and, and it's kind of a a two part. I'm going to land on kind of a funny question. I almost think in just talking and thinking about your career that not having the easy path into the NFL actually, in retrospect, is probably why you're in the Hall of Fame and one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL, because it made you focus on every detail to prove everybody wrong.
4: Mm. Yeah, there's probably some truth to that. There's no question adversity is either going to make you fail or adversity is going to make you improve. And I wasn't going to let it make me fail. I was going to continue to keep working and keep uh, striving for whoever was going to give me that opportunity. But in the meantime, while I was waiting on that opportunity, I was going to work on everything where I couldn't get where they they wouldn't have an excuse on uh, not wanting to uh, to give me that opportunity. So I worked on every facet of my game, and I wasn't privileged at that time to some great quarterback coaches like they have today. I mean, today the, the position is probably coached as well as any position in football, but back when I was coming out of college, or even all the way up through my NFL career, you didn't see these. Uh, specialized quarterback coaches like these kids have now starting junior high school and all the way up through uh, through the pros. And that, I think that's one of the reasons these guys come into the pros so much more well-prepared is because of what they've been exposed to coaching-wise and also, you know, throwing the football in all these seven-on-seven camps and different things they're involved in all the time. So uh, I had to be even more sharper and kind of coach myself as I went along or coach off of be coached off of what I, I learned from, from different coaches or, or, you know, talking to different people in, in the business. That, that's how I became a better player and then just going out there and doing it. I definitely was gifted with an arm when I was a very young kid. and I started playing quarterback at a very young age, but I didn't know what I was doing back then. But over the years, and I had a really good quarterback coach in college that helped me with fundamentals. I think a lot of it started there.
0: Warren, do you think Cam Newton has the, and I know you guys aren't as close as you used to be, but can he handle, will he have any desire to be a backup quarterback in the NFL? Would he be a good fit as a backup quarterback in the NFL?
4: I don't think any quarterback has a desire to be a backup, but some guys are just relegated to that. Cam Newton, because of, the success that he's had in this league, he's been an MVP, he's gone to the Super Bowl. Uh, he's, he was Rookie of the Year. Um, I don't think he's ready to be a backup right now, psychologically. He's 32 years old, even though his body might be a little bit older because of the punishment. But I think he's in his mind, he still feels he can be a starter in this league. So I don't, I don't think he's going to sign with anybody anytime soon because he's probably going to wait on an opportunity where a starter goes down, and they're going to need him to come in and play right away. Um, there might be a couple of situations, but they're not winning situations like the Houston Texans. That could be maybe a team he could go in and start right now for because of the, the Sean um, Watson situation um, not being settled. They don't really have a, a, a entrenched starter. You know, Tyrod Taylor is a guy; there was a solid guy, but he's not Cam Newton. So there are some situations if he doesn't want to. Uh, necessarily go to a winning organization. He can go to an organization where he could just play. But if he wanted to get a place right now to, to be on a football team, he'd probably have to be a start, you know, backup somewhere because everybody's pretty much ready to go into the season with their starters. But I don't know if he's ready to do that psychologically and mentally.
0: One will end on this note Seattle Seahawks, uh, in a stacked NFC uh, Yes. what 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 are you guys' prospects? What, what do you think is going to happen with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks this year?
4: You know, I think they're going to be solid again. You know, they were a 12-win team last year. They ended up losing to the Rams in the first round of the playoffs at home. But whenever you play a division team in the playoffs, and I've had that happen to me when I was with Houston, it's tough to beat a team in your division after you played them three times that season. And they ended up getting beat at home by the Rams, a team that had beat them during the regular season as well. They're going to be right back in the thick of things because they've improved themselves on defense. They can get after the passer a little bit better this year. Uh, they have weapons on offense. If Chris Carson, their running back, can stay healthy to go along with Rashad Penny, they'll have a good one-two punch running the football. I think they're going to be in really good shape, but um, it's going to come down to guys staying healthy, as always. And you know, last year they had a lot of guys get banged up, but they ended up, you know, playing pretty well on defense to. to, to and the season, but didn't play well offensively. It seemed like they had two opposites last year. Their offense started out great, defense was terrible. At the end of the season, defense was great, offense was terrible. So they've got to put it all together for the whole season. They've got good enough personnel to get that done. But like you said, they're a, a stacked NFC West. Uh, and those those four teams are going to beat each other up throughout the whole season. We'll see who who's survive, the survival of the fittest. is going to come out of this division and maybe two teams out of this division will go to the playoffs.
0: Warren, thank you so much for the time. Have a great season. You look good, man.
4: Thank you. Thank you. So do you. And I'm glad you're back on the air, my man.
0: Appreciate it. All right, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. All right, we're going to have our approval rating for Max Kellerman. And I think Uncle Jimmy... Have some thoughts on maybe Joe Rogan, Dom Lemon. Church.
1: Looking for the right sign, looking like it's my time, feeling all kinds of freedom. These words are our religion, our regrets, and our decisions. We all want to go to heaven with freedom. It's my obligation, no hate, discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom.
0: All right, welcome back. All right, we're going to get to our approval rating for Max Kellerman here shortly, but Jimmy, you said you had something you wanted to get off your chest. Oh my goodness! Words
1: on the streets—is that? Man, look, (laughs) words on the street. Hey, man, listen, and I'm very serious about what I'm going to say here, because we laugh and we joke about certain people, you know. We, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of Don Lemon. Now I joke and I crack, you know. Don, you're Lemmon. a fan of Don Lemon. I'm a, I'm a fan of Don Lemon, and I'm and I'm very serious. But I I I like Don Lemon. I respect Don Lemon. I respect Don Lemon's way of life. Okay. So having said that, I had a problem with Don Lemon when I heard this man say this. Roll that tape, man. It is putting a stress
4: and strain on the system and people all over this country because some people who are so selfish are saying, it's my freedom and I don't want to get vaccinated and I don't want to do that. Okay, fine. But think about someone other than yourself. And if you don't believe that COVID is real and that can, it can affect your health and possibly take your life, don't go to the hospital then when you get sick. Don't take up the resources from other people who are playing by the rules, getting vaccinated, social distancing and putting their lives on the line to try to take care of the people who are there. That's all I'm saying. That's how I feel. And I, I love no you. D.
0: Lemon. And, and you like and respect Don Lemon.
1: I said I like I respect Don Lemon and I said I respect Don Lemon and I respect his way of life. I respect his life choices. But. I seriously have a problem with Don Lemon making that statement right there. That's typical dumb, dumb, dumb Lemon. Hey, man, I I have a problem with Don Lemon because you're sitting up and telling somebody to not go to the hospital. You know, you, you, you have a, Don has an alternative lifestyle. Don has a lifestyle that his immune system might shut down working at any moment. So... You know, I mean, and it's amazing of how quick we forget that now we want to sit up and tell somebody uh, we don't want to render medical treatment. You know, it wasn't about 30 years ago where they didn't want to render medical treatment to AIDS patients. You know, what's the little fella's name? uh, Ryan White? Kokomo, Indiana. Yeah, I remember that story. Uh, uh, What was that in the 1980s? A little teenager uh, had a blood disorder. I think they said he was a hemophiliac. Yeah. And he contracted AIDS. And became a pariah in his school, came a pariah in his community. You know, they, they made a book about this. I mean, this young fella had to go through this. And really, Don Lemon, this is what you say? You said if you want to talk about, you 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 forget about some struggles that people went through? Man, I can't respect that. Jim, I agree with you. <laughs> That's one of your best points.
0: Uh it's because and i know what their initial reaction would be well hold on getting the vaccine is easy or whatever but and and i think uh somebody said it on steve kim said it on the show earlier today in terms of like should a hospital refuse me because i'm overweight and i'm not being responsible and therefore i shouldn't be treated because you know, I've lived a gluttonous lifestyle. Where does this stop? Where does Don Lemon and these people that they feel like they can decide who should and shouldn't get medical treatment based off their behaviors and actions? And again, you're making a heck of a point. Not, not that I'm saying AIDS is specifically a gay disease, but it happens more often to gay people than anybody else. And and should should people sit up, well, you made the choice or you decided to have gay sex. Therefore, we shouldn't render you medical treatment if you have
1: AIDS. I, I'm, I'm just saying how quickly forget. And, and the other problem about what Don says and, and what he was saying. Let's not forget that, you know, Uncle Jimmy went through his little bout of covid himself. And, you know, you know, uh, I talk about or you talked about when I went to the hospital in an ambulance. And remember, I was—I didn't talk about this, but I was only in the hospital about 45 minutes. I actually came out of the hospital probably in worse shape than I went in the hospital. And I remember talking to you afterwards and I said to you, I said, Jason, I i kind of felt like they they discriminated against me a little bit. I didn't feel like, you know, and you was like, Jim, they did. You said they discriminated, against, they discriminated against you because you didn't have that vaccine. They discriminated against you because you came into the emergency room. And, and what y'all did was y'all didn't give me my proper medical treatment. Don't matter that I have health insurance. You didn't give me my proper treatment, which caused me to go about, what, about seven more days and have extending problems because you didn't treat me because you didn't want to treat me. Don't, don't blame the ball on your butt. On the, on the hospital jail. Don't That's know what you're here. talking about. Um, <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. Speaking of boils on butts. Yeah. Uh, our boy, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, uh, a big outs- a, a big uh, person being yeah. outspoken against the coronavirus. Uh, did you see his announcement just yesterday? He took ivermectin. Okay. Ivermectin. Same l- as you. Uh, uh, l- l- let's take a look and see what Joe, what happened with Joe Rogan. And throughout the night, I got fevers and sweats, and I knew what was going on. So I got up in the morning, got tested, and turns out I got COVID. So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at it all kinds of meds monoclonal
3: antibodies, uh, ivermectin, Z Pack, uh,
1: prednisone everything Uh, and I also got an NAD drip and a vitamin drip and I did that three days in a row and so here we are on Wednesday and I feel great. Sounds
0: similar to the cocktail you got.
1: Sounds quite similar to the cocktail that I got. That's why I kind of cracked the joke. Remember I said uh uh, they compared me to Donald Trump because I said I got a cocktail of drugs. Yeah. Jason, I have a problem, man. First of all, I don't want to say anything about anything that I did for my healthcare regimen that got me through COVID. I don't want to say anything that somebody might try that might get them in trouble. But, hey, man, why are we so against anybody? If you're not talking about you want this vaccine, then you're you're being ostracized and talked about in this community. Anybody that uses that word, Iver, whatever that word. Society's ripping you apart about that, man. And, And, I mean, the truth of the matter is, basically all of those items that Joe Rogan said he took, those were the items that I took. I have a partner that had the corona the same time I did. He's still in the hospital on oxygen. OK, I just don't understand why we are having this big issue of facts regarding what works and what doesn't work. Fact of the matter is, you, people, I don't know why people don't want to just admit the fact that they're talking about, oh, our, our emergency rooms are being overcrowded with unvaccinated people. Uh, damn Dammit, you over- your emergency rooms is being overcrowded with people who have been vaccinated. So why aren't we talking about it like that? Big pharma, big tech.
0: Let's get to our approval rating, Max Kellerman. Max, uh, Stephen A's old partner, he's got a new job. I think he's going to do morning radio. Then he's going to get an afternoon uh, television show. Uh, So... I think he's playing his role very well at ESPN. He's a race baiter and race troll. He does it at a high level. They love him at
1: ESPN. i give him a 24 in job performance. He no longer has that job with Stephen A. Smith and uh, Miss Molly Rose. He gets a zero. He has no job performance. <laughs> Don't try to act like you good with this. You ain't good, man. Come on good.
0: Character... Uh, I'm 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 down on the, I can't take the the race baiting I, I just I just can't take it I like Max but I just can't take the race baiting I gave him an 11 in character.
1: You you have to give Max char- Max credit. Max has carried that character and he's played it all the way through. And I give him a 25. He he plays his character.
0: <laughs> Authenticity. Uh, I do believe he believes a lot of the wacky race baiting stuff he says. I think he's authentic. I'm gonna give him a 23.
1: I think he's about that life, man. He gets a 22.
0: Yeah. We're not right. for. We're yeah. not for. Uh, it factor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh.
1: yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know what the hell it is, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. I give him a 7. I give him a 9. Yeah. <laughs> I got him at
0: a 65. You got him at a 56. We both have him candle lit. Nipple wax. <laughs> <laughs> that is Marcellus's boy Max Kellerman all right that's it and that's all for us we're out of here we'll see you tomorrow
1: wait waiting for the down, coming off the breakdown standing in line for freedom looking for a breakout feeling like a standoff nothing in life like freedom came in like a fighter striking like a ladder making all this moves for freedom i want freedom no negotiation my system no relation we all just wanna have freedom Sitting on a con- never been on a breaking my back for freedom. Bless we are living, get back. We are receiving all when We all wanna be free. We want freedom. I just want, I
2: wanna be, I just